0: Alocil, marca mesuto Phil. Golazo
1: de Ransey de tacón minuto 39 de juego en esta primera parte. Marcó Ransey un auténtico golazo fantástico para el Arsenal.
0: This is Arscast Extra.
1: Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly afternoon to you. Goodly
0: afternoon. We're mixing it up. Yeah. Apologies for the delay in getting to you. Well, look, you sound like a man who, who's had a weekend. I've seen some things, guys. I mean, my voice isn't working, but the rest of my body isn't really working either. I was on a, a stag weekend. One of my oldest friends is getting married in a few weeks' time. And I was in Scotland, that most glamorous of locations, um, near Allowa on a stag weekend.
1: Why precisely near Alloa in Scotland? What was the decision-making process
0: there? I have absolutely no idea. Basically, there was talk of Scotland and talk of somewhere with an outdoorsy vibe, and they managed to identify a house that could sleep 15 people somewhere near Alloa. But genuinely, we were going around all these little towns in the local area, and all people would ask us is, why have you come here? (laughs) Um, Nonetheless we had a terrific time On Friday night we went to a a local bar In Alloa itself With um, a performer there called Ray Blondell And if you're ever in Alloa You must check him out Ray Blondell There are posters up saying Ray Blondell live from Las Vegas Now far be it from me to dispute the veracity of Ray's claims but I'm not entirely convinced that he has a performing history in Las Vegas.
1: Ah, okay. See, my mind went somewhere else. I, when you said "live from Las Vegas," I thought it was some kind of bilocation trick that he's performing no, no. from Las Vegas, but but somehow projecting himself as a hologram into this this bar in Aloha.
0: No, sadly not. It was just a man, a local man from Aloha, who claims to have had a history performing in Las Vegas, singing blurred lines to a room of bemused old people. It was fantastic to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> of all the songs to sing, I mean, whatever about the Sinatra classics,
0: blurred lines. Blurred is lines.
1: What one of the creepiest most
0: Ugh. it's a gross song. I, I suspect he was wearing a wig as well. He looked a bit like Boris Johnson, Ray Blondell.
1: Ray Blondell. I'm going to have to google him here because That's, maybe Does he uh,
0: exist? I think Raymond Blondell was his full name. Raymond? Tottenham used to have a, a midfielder called Jonathan Blondell. <clears throat> That's I don't know if right. He's any relation? Oh, here he is. Have you found him?
1: I've found him. Oh, actually, Raymond Blondell duet with Jerry Lee Lewis. Hang on a minute. He's legitimate. Yeah, well, so it seems. Raymond got to sing with Jerry Lee at Glen Eagles Hotel after touring with Jerry Lee. Do we need a blast of this? I think we do. Okay, hang on. It's loading up here on the YouTube. Here they are. They're on stage. going to bring it forward a little bit. Hang on. Yeah, that's about enough of that. Fuck that.
0: <laughs> well, what, I, what I would say is if, if Raymond Blondell truly has toured with Jerry Lee Lewis, he's fallen on harder times since. Right. Um, well,
1: I, I've, I've just found a news article about him here in the Scottish Daily Record. It says East, please, Kilbr- East Kilbride musician set to make a comeback. And he says, uh, it's a musician who started his career in the Thistle Club before going on to sing with Jerry Lee Lewis, is hitting the road again. He turned professional in 1993 and played all the big clubs in the UK. In 1994, Raymond, a huge Elvis fan, headed for Memphis, singing at the BB Kings Club in the famous Beale Street. And then, hang on, Raymond, who now lives in King Cardeen, it sounds a bit like Kim Kardashian. I like that image, he could exist inside mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian, this could be his comeback. Perhaps. Raymond Blondell, inside Kim.
0: Wow. Well look, as I say, if you're in Alloa, drop by. Seek out Raymond Blondell for an extraordinary night's entertainment. Right. Um what else did I do on the stag? I went on I went to one of those Go Ape things. you ever been to one of those? What? A it's what? like a kind of no. It's, it doesn't. It's not as strange as it sounds. It's like a kind of r- climbing thing, you know, where you're in a wood and you have to go on a lot of zip lines and rope ladders and things like that. And incredibly, mm. I emerged unscathed, relatively. Right. That's. I've got good. a lot of bark in my trousers, but other than that, <laughs> um, all in all, it was it was it was good fun. But Ac- I'm excellent. I'm yeah. I'm sort of. Uh, paying the price somewhat today.
1: I'm fascinated. I've read on this Raymond Blondell article. I'm fascinated. He's he's talking about, uh, you know, his career. He says, I also played in the famous Viper Room in L.A., and when the curtains opened, all my heroes were there, with the likes of Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, Kid Rock, Daryl Hannah, and even Johnny Depp himself. I got a standing ovation that night. I couldn't believe it. And Tom Petty jumped on stage and said, that was phenomenal.
0: Christ, well... But hang on,
1: hang on. It gets better. It gets better. If you think that's the pinnacle of his career, it gets even better than that. Come on. He goes on to say, I am a good friend with Ewan McGregor. And when he asked his mum who she wanted to play at her Ruby wedding anniversary, no expense spared, she said me, which was a
0: real honour. Wow! That is amazing. I mean, he's probably capped all that by singing to Gunnerblog and his mates in a pub on Allo on Saturday night. But... Oh,
1: yeah, that's going to be on the website now any, any
0: minute. <laughs> um, anyway, so all of that happened. Also, there was special provision made during this weekend for us all to watch a, a little game of football between Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur.
1: Oh, very good. Very good. Some time off from the uh, drinking and carousing and all the other bits and pieces to, to watch the football.
0: Well, indeed. Did, did you have anything interesting to this weekend, aside from watching said football match? Well, I, I won 200 euros. Wow. On, on, but how, how so? Well, during
1: last week, Mrs. Bloggs had a dream that Conor McGregor got knocked out in the second round of his fight. OK. And we were in the, in the pub on Saturday night having a couple of pints, and uh, she reminded me of that. And my phone was there, and my, my Betfair account was there. And I said, I'll just stick a tenner on that for the laugh, because I was a little bit drunk. Yeah, And I put a tenner on it. 20 to 1 for that to happen. It seemed extraordinarily generous odds. And lo and behold, Conor McGregor got knocked out, or uh, he had to submit in the second round. And I was 200 euros richer.
0: I mean did you share it with your wife it seems only appropriate that you should given her her role in proceedings We
1: got a slightly nicer bottle of wine than we might have done originally when we went to the supermarket on on Good Sunday afternoon hat. yeah so rather than an 8.99 bottle of wine we went the whole way and spent 12.99
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Wow. I mean, is this regular? Is this something that she's done before? Are these powers known to you, or is this a first?
1: Well, she did say that she knew for a fact that Arsa were going to win the FA Cup in 2014 when she did the live blog for it. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't have believed her then after seven or eight minutes of that game. But lo and behold, so it, be, it turned out to be true. But this was oddly specific, so it, it just felt like, oh, hell, I might as well do something. And yeah. Uh, and there you go so that was that was the uh, that was the exciting part of the weekend I also put uh, given that I was uh, in a betting frenzy then mm. uh, I also put some money on Atletico Madrid and Valencia uh one of those weird bets that I don't understand like the over under three and a half goals because I don't know how you can have half a goal I don't yeah. I don't get it it's like what no over or under three or Try going four. in and... and-
0: Betting on exactly three and a half goals. They yeah, get really annoyed with you. Exactly. It's
1: like, well, you can't have half a goal. Then, but, you know. but anyway, I said it would be over three and a half goals, and I put a tenner on that, and that was five to one, and I won another 50 quid then.
0: Why are we, I mean, why are you even bothering with the podcasting business anymore? Why, why are you not just chilling out on an exotic beach somewhere with your winnings?
1: This is very good. I'd probably, uh, because I have to pay my TV license and get the tax on my car.
0: Okay, fair enough. Let's yeah. keep going.
1: So that was yeah, that was my weekend of uh, of high stakes betting. Fantastic, mm. fantastic stuff. Um, so when you did watch this game on mm. on Saturday, when you were given special dispensation from from being lads,
0: yeah, 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 on the on the stagger Rooney, stag, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah stagging away. Um, did you enjoy it? Oh, that's a good question. I was actually watching it with a Tottenham fan. Right Rive. next to me. Okay. Always, a, always a strange experience. Um, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. I don't think it's ever really possible to enjoy a London derby, is it? I mean, it's sort True. of too, too fraught, too emotionally fraught. Mm. Um, especially given that I knew that a poor result meant I would have to spend a weekend with a with a gloating Spurs fan, which is sort of unbearable. And and it, in the end, I think both. I think I was more satisfied than him at full time, though.
1: I think so because you know, let's face it. Had Arsenal done what Tottenham did, and you know I understand why people criticize us for character and desire and leadership and spirit and bottle and all those things, right? But uh, you know, had a, had Arsenal done what Tottenham did, it would have been like, oh, they're blowing it, they're blow, they're, they're, you know, they're missing the chance. Tottenham yeah. last week, one point from six, they lose to West Ham, they lose for or they they lose a winning position against Arsenal. You know, down to 10 men, they scored two goals in two or three minutes, could really put the pressure on us, and instead, they they, they kind of choked a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think, it, I think you're absolutely right. I think had the roles of the teams been reversed, Arsenal would be labelled bottlers after that. Mm. Um, and, you know, Spurs did lose a massive opportunity. It's It's weird. It's a game that both teams will come away from thinking, well, we probably should have won that. Yeah. Because when Arsenal led 1-0 with 11 men, you know, Spurs, who had started quite impressively... um, seems to have run out of ideas and, and confidence very quickly and it didn't really look like they were going to get back into the game.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, there was a long way to go still even before the true before the red card and, you know, we, we know our, our appetite for self-destruction can manifest itself in many different ways rather of than course, just a red yeah. card. So, you know, you, do, you don't know quite what would happen but yeah, I think it was working well enough. You know, we hadn't played very well. We didn't seem very confident uh, on the ball but after the goal I, I it felt like something changed with us and the way that we played and the way that we were in the game, you know?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there was, after the goal, there was almost an opportunity for a second, wasn't there? That one where Ozil's touch set Welbeck away and he couldn't quite get it out of his feet. And there was that, you know, for a five-minute period where suddenly...
1: There was a Welbeck header too, wasn't
0: there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice ball over the top. Uh, it was Aaron Ramsey, I think. But, um, yeah, there was a... We, in that end of the first half, we were quite dominant, actually. And at the start of second half, I think the goal massively helped us. I think until that point, we were actually really struggling. Um, you know, defensively, we were okay, but we weren't offering much attacking threat at all. Mm. We, we got a goal on the breakaway and it completely changed the dynamic of the match. And then, of course, the other major incident was descending off and that, that reversed things again. But given that, and given that we were losing, given that we were a man down, I thought at that point it was going to be so, so hard to come back into the game mm. because if you overcommit going forward, you're likely to get caught on the break. Arsene Wenger gambled, Tactically, what are you shaking there?
1: What? What What's am I shaking? shaking? Yeah. That's oh, a pen. All right. It's one of those pens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you were sort of getting ready to spray paint something.
1: Yeah, it's one of those uh, pens. It's a gold pen. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast a couple of weeks back. I don't know I why it. I was shaking. I, I was just sitting here thinking about descending off and I immediately <laughs> had to just pick something up and go... And shake it,
0: <laughs> throttle it like Francis Cockerland. You, you, you
1: Cockerland pen.
0: Basically, I mean, the point I was making before, before you start playing with your pen... <laughs> Sorry. ...was um, a perennial problem, uh, was that I didn't think we'd get back into it at that point. And so to come away with a 2-2, I was pretty pleased. At full time... I was pretty pleased. At the end of the weekend, looking at the league table, I still felt a bit glum. Mm. But when the whistle went, oh, yeah, I was, I, was, I would have taken that. Well,
1: segment. yeah, it seems like it's been a long time since we got anything from a game when we've been down to 10 men uh, or yeah. when we've been behind with 10 men, that's for sure. I think, uh, was it Orbino saying that there was that famous 3-2 win over Bolton? Um, when we were down to, to 10 men and 2-0 no. down and came back to win 3-2, which was which was amazing. But those things are rare. And yeah, like you, at 2-1 down, I was thinking, oh, fuck. You know, it's whatever whatever about hanging on to a 1-0 with 10 men. I thought that would be our best chance of getting something from the game. Yeah. You know, just try and see out the first 10 minutes with 10 men, and then, you know, try and consolidate. And within those first 10 minutes, we we conceded twice. So, yeah, I wasn't confident that we were going to get anything from the game. At the same time, though, we did look quite dangerous. And you've got to give them some credit for that. On the one hand... You know, it's ridiculous to go down to 10 men the way that we did, and we'll we'll come to the sending off in a moment. But then to get back into it and to score a goal and maybe to have chances, uh, you know, to win it even before the end of the game, uh, I think that says a lot about the way that the team managed to craft a response. The manager was quite brave in a way because 2-1 down... And he's lost Coquelin, and he's picked Ramsey on the right-hand side for a fairly good reason because he wanted to make the midfield more solid with with Elneny and and Coquelin. So Coquelin is gone already. Ramsey's moved back in, and he takes off El Elneny as well. So both of the ostensibly holding midfield players are gone. So you're looking at that center of, uh, of midfield from us being not weak, but certainly not in any way secure or solid. Puts on Olivier Giroud, and then, you know, we get a goal. I mean, it was it was brave because he could have. There was talk of, you know, Flamini coming on. Would Flamini come on and, and help shore things up? But he actually went for it, and we got some reward for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at it as a midfield four, you know, a 4-4-1 four, four, kind of system, that the four in midfield across left to right was uh, Alexis, Ozil, Ramsey, Welbeck. I mean, you can't really envisage a much more attacking way to set up. Mm. And uh, it was a massive gamble, um, but it paid off. And, uh, you know, if you'd offered me a 2-2 prior to kick-off I I probably would have taken it I thought that was a game in our current form that we would lose Mm.
1: yeah so good I mean from from circumstantially it was both disappointing and uh, heartening in a way because to be 1-0 up and to put ourselves 2-1 down through our own idiocy uh, is one thing but then to come back and and show that okay we do have some stones there is a little bit of something left in this team in terms of its character and its ability to to get something from a game when the chips are down
0: yeah some yeah. disappointment and some pride I would say
1: yeah alright so let's um, let's touch on the things the various things that happen then the goal <laughs> the first goal um, look he gets a, he gets an awful lot of criticism Aaron Ramsey I understand why to a certain extent I think it's I think it's overblown a bit. Um, I know that there are a lot of people who, who don't like to hear that, but I think he, he's become a bit of a lightning rod um, for, for the way that the team hasn't performed uh, and he's played his part in that, but what a fucking finish that was.
0: Yeah, and he's only been practicing those back heels for about five years. Hasn't yeah, he? So. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> finally paid dividends. I mean, the, I mean, he actually had tried a few already earlier in the game.
1: Hey, what, didn't they? They all had a go. It was like they all had a go. Steve Bold, as he was, the players were going out, and the pitch was going. Remember, lads, each one of you got to try at least one back heel in the first, you know, twenty minutes of this game.
0: Yeah, I think they'd had a bet on that. Yeah. It was extraordinary. They were literally all pulling them out, and then that finish. I mean. I hope it doesn't get forgotten in the in the broader context of the game because it was absolutely superb. When the ball came to Bellerin on the right, I was screaming at him to shoot. Shoot, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I and I and he very nearly m- sort of messed up the opportunity because the pass he placed to Ramsey's behind him. Ramsey's sort of got no. If he wants to hit it first time, he's got no choice but to do what he did. Mm. So to produce that finish, I mean, it was exquisite and. Uh, I mean, maybe not the best goalkeeping in the world, but I think probably the element of surprise had a, a big impact.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and the way that the the ball bounced. I mean, I think Loris was much more culpable for the for the second goal, for the Alexis mm. goal. Like you'd be gutted if your own goalkeeper let that in, um, yeah. but uh, you know, not, I'm not obviously because it was it was him. I'm delighted. <laughs> really chuffed. Yeah. Um, all right. So, cocalan then. Cockalan. Cockalan. Uh... All right. First yellow card. No questions. Now, what was going on there
0: because I've only seen it a couple of times so first time I thought he was doing that thing where a player grabs the ball as if they've been fouled and it's a free kick to them but was he just literally pouring it away from the opponent to stop them getting
1: I think he was I think he was handling it to make sure that they couldn't come away with it because he he dawdled on the ball a bit and, and this goes back to something we were talking about maybe last week uh, and certainly the arse cast on Friday in terms of the way that we're playing at the moment is that there didn't appear to be an awful lot of movement for him that we were so static at times that he's on the ball in the center of the park he's looking for a pass and it happened more than once against Tottenham it happened in our last number of games where you see players looking for somebody to pass the ball to and there's there's nobody there now he, he was a little bit um, hesitant on the ball he got crowded out and bundled off it and I think he he just handled it to make sure that they couldn't come away with it that's what I think, so he can I don't think we can have any arguments,
0: yeah, okay, well, I mean there was no arguments at all. I just wondered what was mm. what was going through his mind really um Mrs. Bloggs probably knows with her, her powers of foresight and you know all these mm. other psycho psycho something powers um, but I the for second one, I mean the thing is at half time there were a lot of jokes going around on Twitter weren't there about when will cockerland sending off be mm. um and, and so it proved, really. I mean, it was a uh, second one. I'm not even sure how much contact there was. I haven't, again, I haven't seen it too many times, but it diving in like that, such a ridiculous risk to take.
1: Yeah, I, look, the only contact that was made was Kane making contact with Coquelin as he jumped over him. Um, oh. But, you know, wh- <sighs> yeah, I mean, it was just daft for him to slide in the way that he the way that he did. You know, Arsene Wenger said afterwards that we, we spoke to him at halftime, we told him, You know, you're on a yellow card. Don't do anything stupid. And whatever way you want to dress it up. And and certainly I think the the, the contact from Kane was bought. Um, It was was what you would expect most players to do. The rights and wrongs of it, I think, are pretty much irrelevant in the circumstances. The fact is that all Coquelin had to do was maybe just chase him down the wing and just stand up. Didn't have to jump in. He didn't have to slide in. It was sort of like Milner getting sent off yesterday. Um, You know, a second yellow, ridiculously stupid second yellow card uh, where where players just, I don't know if they misjudge it. I know we're talking about split seconds here where you think you can get the ball and you make a a brilliant tackle, but the risk-reward there thing is skewed far too heavily on the risk that if you get it wrong, you're fucked, and he was.
0: I mean, what do you attribute it to? Do you think it's uh, misjudgment? Do you think he was caught up in the atmosphere of the game and his head went slightly? Ha-ha- what do you put that down to?
1: I, I don't know. Look, I think it, it happens all the time. Footballers make those kind of silly mistakes all the time. Juan Mata did it yesterday. Yep. You know, th- these are experienced footballers um yeah, heat of the game, I guess, and, and trying to make an impact and trying to, to make a difference. I don't think he was trying to let the team down. There was no nothing like that. It was just, okay, uh, I'm going to go for this. Oh, shit, that was a really bad decision. You know, yeah. and, and that's what it is. Um, and I think it was it was daft and silly and idiotic and, and everything else. Um, but, you know, again, better players than him have done worse things than that. Uh, down the years and uh, you know players who you would expect to have more sense uh, have done worse things than that and I think we have to maybe stand back a bit and look at okay why does this happen in the heat of game why do footballers do things that they know they shouldn't do it's because they're pumped up, because they're full of adrenaline, because the decision-making process is perhaps a little bit skewed, and because they have to make uh, decisions in very short spaces of time. Uh, and, you know, when they get it wrong, the consequences are, are, are pretty bad.
0: Well, yeah, so it so it proved for Arsenal, I mean, I suppose with Spurs, what was it, within seven minutes of the setting off, going ahead? Mm. Um yeah. What was the first goal? Oh, the set-piece, wasn't it? Set-piece, and it fell
1: to Aldevar, Aldov, yeah, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, and he just he just cracked it home. And then second one, yeah. I tried not to mention that goal as much as possible on the blog. Uh, my, because it was, I mean, I, I'll say it quietly, but
0: it was a, it was a good goal, wasn't it? Was, it was a, quite a good finish. It was a good goal, yes, it was yeah. A yeah good, was a quite a good finish. But
1: yeah, um, but yeah my brother was saying, uh, <laughs> I read your blog this morning, you know, on Sunday morning, he was going... Now you played, uh, Dan played that goal very nicely. The Kane goal. Yeah. I was going, yeah, I'm not giving that fucker any credit. I'm just tired well, of it. I'm actually delighted for, you know, one of the reasons why I'm delighted we got a point isn't just for the fact that we got a point. It isn't just the fact that, uh, you know, Tottenham are going to feel that. It isn't just from the fact that we needed a point. It was to fucking save us from a week or two weeks of Harry Kane being held, you know, the, 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 saviour of English football or the, you know, just, uh shut up, look at his brilliant winner against Arsenal. It wasn't a winner. It didn't win anything. God. Yeah, yeah,
0: consigned it to relative insignificance. Mm. I mean, if we're not going to talk about the quality of the strike, should we be talking about the, the quality of the defending? I mean, matsaka mm. um, what was going on there? He was chasing down towards the touchline. Maybe he should have just put it out, played yeah, it simple.
1: for sure. And I think Gibbs Um, shouldn't have played Ali onside Uh, a little bit of a mistake there but yeah just you know be a bit industrial be a bit safe and just put it out for a throw Mm. you know he could have even even just gone uh, when Ali was there just go through the back of him you know push him over and you know if you have to even concede a free kick in that position it's just a corner so um, yeah just don't get caught the way that we got caught but again I don't think we did enough when Kane got the ball to close him down um we made it a little bit easy for him. We invited him onto us and yeah, look it was a it was a good finish, but you
0: know. Yeah, I mean keeping no chance for that one, but worth saying I suppose that the goalkeeper generally did did very well. I mean I I thought, you know, I was obviously <laughs> a bit, Why are you laughing?
1: Well, yeah, he did. He did. He did do well. He made like one great save in the first half. And uh that save then in the, the second
0: half. Mm. Ah, the one that was going over the bar.
1: Well, yeah, no, that was fine. Again, you know, I quite like a bit of that, you know, a little bit of the showman save. It was definitely going over the bar and he, he, you know, he made the most of it, made a meal of it, and that's fine. You know, I think goalkeepers can can get some confidence from things like that, but the one where the ball nearly went over the line.
0: Ah, well, that was a strange positioning decision, you have to say. <laughs>
1: that, was, that was what I was getting at here. It's that, you know, if, if you are going to be in goal... I'm pretty sure one of the basics is not standing behind the line. I could be sure. wrong. Maybe I'm no goalkeeping expert, but I would have finally.
0: Thought- <laughs> finally, we've uncovered the problem with Arsenal's goalkeeping coaching. Um, <laughs> but I tell you what, though being sat next to a Tottenham fan when that goal decision replay came through and seeing how close it was to being over the line mm. was truly hysterical. In many ways <laughs> I was I was I was grateful that he decided to stand behind the line in order to make it that that much more agonizing for Spurs.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean look he did he did pretty well I think Ospina. Um you know you do wonder maybe if a taller goalkeeper might have got to Keynes.
0: Maybe. maybe maybe. Maybe if he was about ten foot tall, definitely. I don't know.
1: I'm going to I'm going to, you know, have a look at it here and have a look from the reverse replay and and I'll see. Um, have a look.
0: Yeah. I mean I'm intrigued. I mean it was a good strike certainly. I mean we keep saying it and it, it makes me feel sick every time, but I'd love to believe there's some way that, you know, it could have been stopped.
1: Mm. Okay, I'm going to just sort of opening the file here. Okay. In the old VLC. Um what minute was that goal? It was about the Okay, here it is. 60 something minutes. Uh, I'm just scrolling backwards.
0: I can't here. believe you can do this to yourself, really.
1: Just watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck am I doing?
0: <laughs> this is. This is. I mean, I don't know. Life's too short, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Exactly. No, let's let's answer the question. We've come this far.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going back. Okay. We need I can to know. see him. Oh, I can see him celebrating. It's gross.
0: Oh, disgusting. He's hugging. Look away. Look away. Uh,
1: oh, Kyle Walker is having a good time. Nobody. Nobody should have to view that. He,
0: at least before the guy, he had the decency to wear a mask. I think he took it off when he celebrated.
1: Yeah, we, why I did remember. his mask have his number on it, if not for, like, abject ponsory? That could be the only reason. Very,
0: very selfish. No one else can use that mask now.
1: Yeah, OK. I'm looking. Here it is coming from the reverse angle. And, well, yeah. How far away from it is he? Well, very far. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's, <coughs> huh? although I don't know, I think maybe another, what, four or five inches. Mm-hmm. And I'd say Petr Cech has longer fingers, so you're looking at maybe an extra inch. So six inches. Yeah, Cech's saving that for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah.
1: Good to know. That was horrible to watch. Anyway. Yeah.
0: Well done for enduring that. Thanks very um, much. So... There we were, 2-1 down. Mm. Miserable it was.
1: And then, Alexis Sanchez scores his first league goal since October, and he was a very, very happy man.
0: I think we were all happy men mm. at that precise point in time. This time, definitely a perfectly placed pass from Bellerin around the outside. And yeah, one of those little skipping, bouncing finishes, but I agree with you, you'd be a little bit disappointed in your own goalkeeper if they if they conceded that, but no complaints from me, certainly. And no great to get Alexis, you know, a goal. I mean, that's such a long time, isn't it? Yeah. To sort of have not scored in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did get the one against Burnley, obviously, in the FA Cup. But, you know, in terms of Premier League, I'm sure that was a weight that was that was playing on him and on his shoulders. So, it'd be good if, if that's taken, uh, taken some of that off him for the games going forward. Um, Definitely.
0: I mean, Arsene Wenger's been talking about Alexis quite a lot in his press conferences and he's been talking about... um psychological elements really hasn't it you know about mm. being trying too hard or, or being correctly focused I think no one doubts his talents there it's just about settling him down and hopefully this guy will go some way towards doing that mm. and of course
1: he is a player who sort of scores in bursts as well mm. so mm. hopefully this is the the floodgates well and, well and truly opened um, yeah but look I mean what, what, what did you make of the, the selection of, of uh, Mohamed El Elneny in midfield what, how did you think that worked
0: um, it's funny, did we did we talk about that? I think we talked about it as a possibility for Wednesday for the Swansea game, didn't mm. we? Um, and it didn't transpire then. We lost and then, lo and behold, it was in on the weekend. I thought um, it was a, an unspectacular performance, I would say, from Nenny, but one that, from a strategic point of view, seemed to work rather well. I mean, certainly pushing Aaron Ramsey into the advanced areas paid dividends with him getting the opening goal. And I thought we looked a little more solid, a little more disciplined in the middle of the park. Mm. Um, I think that's more to do with the type of player he is than any great individual attribute, you know? Although I do think that he's clearly energetic. Clearly, uh, he provides some of the movement, maybe, that we've been lacking in terms of being available for a pass. And uh, I thought for a first Premier League start in that white-hot atmosphere, Mm. I thought he acquitted himself well. What about you?
1: Um, Yeah, I thought it worked. I thought it it, it helped the midfield, which has been really a problem for the last... Mm. Uh, for the last few weeks. And I thought, it, you know, we were better in there. Um, so I, I'd like to see a bit more of that. Um, and I'm, I think we might get to it when we come to the questions. But when it comes to the team for tomorrow night against Hull and when it comes to the team going forward, um, we, we can discuss that perhaps and, and some of the options there. But yeah, I, I, I quite like the look of him. Um, the, he, he feels to me like he's playing within himself still a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, what he did was was quite effective. I think there was something like ten ball recoveries in midfield. You know, he's aware. He's positionally quite good. Um, passing, I think under pressure, um, like many of the Arsenal players on on Saturday against Tottenham, wasn't brilliant, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't bad either. So yeah, I thought it was I thought it was promising, and I think it was probably a little bit overdue.
0: Yeah, I think it was as well. And, you know, I'm sure Arsenal had his reasons for for holding off on including him until now. But, uh, and I'm just looking at some of the numbers now past completion, 80%. Not as high as you'd anticipate normally from a a central midfield player with Arsenal. But then I don't think his teammates were necessarily any better. Francis Cockland, just 72%. Right. So. I, I, th- I thought he, I thought he did well enough, and I thought, in terms of the the shape and the balance he brought to the team, I think balance is really what we've been lacking. Yeah, um, and I thought it was a step in the right direction, certainly.
1: All right, cool. Okay, um, anything else stand out from the weekend before we take a break and do the questions?
0: Um, I mean, I suppose just in, in broader context. I mean. <sighs> how do you feel the result affects our title chances? Is that, is that even a consideration for you anymore? You've been, you know, I think after the Swansea game, you were sort of very, very down on the possibility. Do you still see it as too far a gap to bridge?
1: Yes, yes. But, you know, there's there's always this part of me that, that thinks something crazy could happen this season. And there's yeah. always been a part of me that thinks at some point Leicester are going to have a little bit of a, a difficult spell. When you look at their fixtures, it's hard to see where it's coming from. Mm. But at the same time, it would be unusual for them to go through um, a season without a little bit of a blip in form. Uh, so I'm, I'm sort of not that I'm banking on it, and I don't necessarily expect it. But it, you know, if it happened, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think we've just left ourselves with, with far too much to do. You know, the the, the results against Manchester United and Swansea if you think about those in the context of what we expected from them and where that might leave us in the title race, you know, it's very difficult to, to be anything other than than pessimistic about our chances of, of winning it, not to mention what we actually need to do from here anyway on our own in terms of how many games we've got to win uh, and how we've got to perform. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm still pessimistic.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, Vic the Quick at Victoria eighty one on Twitter sent in a thing showing that in every Premier League season since '96, the winner, ultimate winner of the divisions, come from a side who is in the top two uh, at this point in the season. Now, I take the point, of course, that this season is particularly tumultuous. It does feel like anything could happen. But if Manchester City win their game in hand, they would j- jump above us into third. We'd be in fourth position. So really, we're looking at needing three teams mm. to slip up. Uh, and us to be great and I just feel like uh, with the way things are that doesn't feel particularly likely Mm -hmm. um but I think, to be honest, we're not even at a point where we can really be thinking too much about that. I think it's about just trying to put some form together and steady the ship and try and regather some momentum, you know. And if we, if, if within a few games we're back in the race or still in the race, then so be it. But I think, really, we just need to focus on, our, on ourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, Grant. All right, we're going to take a short break. Uh, that's the end of part one. We'll be back with part two and your questions right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. If you were in the UK and you heard the ad for our sponsors, Cornerstone, uh, please remember every bit goes to help this podcast. You go to cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arsblog and get razors and blades, and they shave you closer than close as close can be. The closest shave you'll ever have, James.
0: Really? Yeah. I've had a few close shaves over the years. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds exciting. But this is the good kind of close shave. Ah. Well, there you go. Yeah, I could do with one of those now. Actually, I look a bit, a bit like I've been living—I don't know—in in the woods for a few weeks. Right. Uh, I mean, I always look a little bit like that. This is true. This is true. Did you but take your? So did you take
1: usual. your good tracksuit pants to uh, to Aloha,
0: or did you just? I did, did you take slum it some tracksuit pants. I. But listen, in fact, somebody told me this very morning that uh, tracksuit tracksuits are in this spring. Apparently, they've been appearing on catwalks in new lines of fashion. It's like it's become high fashion now to wear a tracksuit. That's the forthcoming new thing.
1: Wow. Are, are, are we actually gone back to the 1980s? Is that S- what this it is? It seems
0: so, finally, the, the laureates kicked into gear and we're, and we're back there. Wow. Well, um, you are a man ahead of, ahead of your time. Very much so. Mm. Very much so. I'm, I'm, probably, I'm so contrary I probably change now. You, what would Dungarees, to, or I don't know, corduroys, cool. corduroy pants. Yeah, I think corduroy shorts only. <laughs> like um, Daisy
1: Dukes, or you know, down to the knees. What are we talking here?
0: Daisy Dukes. Oh, Daisy Dukes. Uh, good, good. You know, I yeah. Didn't want to Something be disappointed for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> now, questions shall we have? Yeah,
1: yes, we that shall. That was very have. Yoda of me. It was it? Was it was. Now I'm thinking of Yoda in Daisy Duke shorts. Not a good image.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is a, a diverting image, definitely. Um, do you have a question? Do you want to go first?
1: Because I'd say his little his little like Yoda balls that hang out of those. <laughs> oh, Jesus.
0: Oh, now I'm wondering. I'm wondering if my little Yoda balls would hang out. Who knows? Let's not find out.
1: Let's not. Let's not. Okay. Yeah, I've got a. I've got a question. Mine
0: are green though. They are green. <laughs> All your right, shorts great. or your balls? Both. Leathery green. <laughs> um, All right.
1: I have a question before okay, this goes I'm ready for it. completely wrong. Yeah. This one comes from David S. at Fatboy Flex. And it sort of goes to some comments um, made by, by Arsene Wenger today. Hmm. And he says, do you reckon the Arsenal fans have provided the support needed to win the title?
0: Wow. Interesting question. Um, what, what, what do you want to mention? These comments that you alluded so mysteriously to. There
1: uh, have you not seen them?
0: I, I have, but I just wondered if people.
1: All right, yeah, we might get so, we might get some context. Yeah, Arsene Wenger saying, uh, "I must tell you that the the pressure from our supporters is relentless. We have to deal with that. We have to go on a run again. I prefer that the fans are happy, but I'm worried that it can get to the players' confidence level." and i guess this is you know the 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 outpourings of frustration that we get when you know we let a one goal lead slip to swansea at home that kind of thing i think he's talking about
0: i mean i'm i'm sort of glad for his sake that he didn't say it in the immediate aftermath of the swansea game because i think that would have provoked a lot of anger you know it it would have it could have been construed certainly as uh, blaming the fans for potentially their part in that night one thing i will say is i uh, my brother Remember my brother, the Chelsea fan? I do, I remember him well, yes. Yeah, yeah. He was at Arsenal Swansea, and he's not a regular at the Emirates, as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. Um, but he was attending in a working capacity, and he rang me afterwards and said he was really struck by how difficult an environment he felt it was to play in. He was really surprised by how quickly... The fans became, grew frus- vocally frustrated with the players, and how clear and how evident that was. Now, uh, he, you know, he, he visits a lot of different grounds. He'd actually been at Leicester the night before, and said that the contrast in ambience between the two could not have been clearer. Now, okay, yeah, look, of course, context is a big thing. Here, yes,
1: right? yes, because Leicester are having an extraordinary season, and everything is going right for them, and we're having groundhog season. That I think is the big difference, you know. I don't think I think in the in the context of this particular season, even or uh, you know even the last couple of weeks. If you were to look at the Swansea game in complete isolation, you might say, okay, well that's a bit harsh. But we can't do that. We're looking at what's happened based on not just this season, but previous seasons and previous seasons where these kind of failings have been have been par for the course.
0: What I, yeah, what I said to him, what I tried to get across was that I think the, the reactions that you saw, say, at the Swansea match are not just about those incidents, not even just about that game, not even just about this season, but there is a kind of well of frustration that has built up over a decade, really. Mm. And whenever things go wrong, um, that, that well kind of opens up, doesn't it? It only takes uh, a few bad results, and we've had more than a few in the last couple of months or so. Mm. Um, for a lot of that old anger to rise again. Now, I doubt that helps the players if I'm honest. Um I doubt that's a particularly motivating scenario to find yourself in. It will be for some, but for others I'm sure encouragement would be more useful, but I I don't I don't have any I don't really necessarily feel that the fans to behave in a different way, do you?
1: No, I mean, I don't think that... To s- the, the question was, do you, th- do you think Arsenal fans have provided the support needed to win the title? I don't think you need support to win the title, if that makes no. sense. That's not what you need to win the title. What you need, you know, are good players. What you need is good management, a bit of luck along the way, uh, and that's what you need. Now, ideally, you know, I think everybody would thrive in a supportive environment, Right. I think that's that's normal that, you know, if you're being encouraged and and what have you, that it's got to feel better for you than than being criticized. Uh, But if the reason that you're being criticized is because of your collective failings as a team, I think you have to be able to to understand that and not think, okay, they they hate us. They don't hate you. They're just really fucking frustrated at what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you do it again and again and again and again. That's what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, it would be perfect if everybody, all 60,000 Arsenal fans in the stadium were absolutely 100% behind the team throughout the game. But we know that's not the case. Like, you know, when you go to a game, we could be winning 3-0 and somebody will will misplace a pass and there's like, oh or, for fuck's sake, or whatever, you know, somebody will... That's the way that certain people react to things. And you can't dismiss human nature. You can't expect 60,000 people to all behave the same way. They're robots, then.
0: Whoa, helicopter. Oh, yeah, they found me. Shit. It's here. Oh, it's there. Yeah. Okay.
1: But, yeah, I mean, just going... Yeah, I mean...
0: But there are a lot of factors, aren't there? There's the frustration that's built up over time at the relative lack of silverware. I think, is it fair to say that the, the prices might be a factor in the way the crowd responds to Of things?
1: course. I mean, do you think uh, since the. Was it. It was Jim from East Lower who sent me something, actually, and I'll, I'll see if I can read it here if it's. Um if it's readable and not mm. uh, necessarily something that was sent in, in, uh, in confidence. I don't I think mean, it if you, was. If you
0: can't read it, everyone's now just going to be wondering what that is. We're going to have to take this bit out. Yeah. It's going to be too, it's too exciting, too tantalising.
1: Okay, this is a quote, and I hope he doesn't mind me reading it out, um, from from one of his friends. He said, the way that they tried to screw us, uh, extra money out of us for Barcelona was unforgivable. The email saying we are too stupid to understand the rules, but they let us off this time was unforgivable. So do you think there's been a marked difference in the atmosphere or the, the willingness of fans to just suck up whatever's thrown at them? since that particular incident. I, it feels to me that that's a really good point.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly acted as a, you know, it's certainly accelerated to some of the dispassionate reactions, dispassionate, impassioned reactions we've seen. Um, and I... <sighs> There are, there are a lot of factors that go into it. I think one thing that I really noticed in the Swansea game was when Arsenal were trailing, you know, it used to r- ring around Highbury particularly, and certainly the Emirates at previous seasons, that chant, you know, come on Arsenal. That, when Arsenal were trailing, when Arsenal were struggling, that thing of, mm. you know, trying to push people on and get behind them, force them into something. And there wasn't much of that in the ground. You know, there was a real despondence from everybody. Of everybody. Um, but I always think it's primarily the job of the players to lift to lift the fans you know I, I think ultimately they're the ones who are getting paid to be there while the others are being are paying to be there mm. uh, and it's the responsibility lies chiefly with them and they haven't been doing that yeah
1: look it, yeah you would like to think it's a two-way street that it the is, fans it is uh, to an extent it, it is to an extent and the fans can at certain points really get behind a team and rouse them and maybe to some extent it, it gives them encouragement and you know they feel like they can go for, for things um But, you know, ultimately, it's what happens on the pitch that dictates the atmosphere. Because you could have a brilliant... We could be 4-0 down, and if everybody was singing a happy song, it's not going to make any fucking difference to what's happened on the pitch or what's going to happen on the pitch. But if the team is 4-0 up and everyone's singing a happy song, well, that's why they're singing a happy song.
0: Yeah, completely. So So, in answer to the question, I think the fans have done enough. And I think given the loyalty so many fans have shown... And again, to mention again, the prices that they paid, I think they deserve success. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a shame the team can't seem to give it to them right now. All right, uh, your turn. Okay, this one comes from at Johnny underscore Page. Johnny Page, he's pulling no punches. He says, did Welbeck's lateral movement make you realise how limited Giroud and Walcott are up front?
1: Well... I don't need anything to remind me how limited Theo Walcott
0: is. No, you don't, do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but what doesn't, it doesn't hurt to reiterate. No, know, no of course.
1: But what it did was it, it showed me that Welbeck can give us something different. That's what, that's what it showed me. I really liked it. I think he was a little bit wasteful on the ball. There were a couple of times where he could have. There was one where it was put onto his left foot and you're going, just have a shot. Have a shot, have a shot, have a shot. And he took another touch and it it didn't quite work out. Um, But yeah, I liked the way that he ran. he he seems, physically and the way that he plays, does he seem a bit more like a a modern centre forward?
0: I think so. I think he's got a very good all-round game, to be honest. Mm. Um, And I agree with you, he looks a little bit rusty at times, but and i think he knows that himself listening to his comments after the spurs game but that's certainly understandable isn't it given the length of his layoff
1: mm, yeah for sure you know and he's he's spoken um after the tottenham game to say that he's still not 100% he's still getting his match sharpness back but you know there's pace and there's power there's movement there's there's a bit of skill and trickery you know there's some nice turns to get away down the down the wings at times um you know i thought it was i thought it was a very encouraging performance and I would like to see—I'd like to see more of him up front. To be honest, I know yeah. that we—we we know what Giroud can give us, and we know that sometimes Walcott can do something, and that's—that's that's as good as I'm—that's as good as we. But that's the reality. It's not like we say, "Okay, if you play Walcott up front ten times." Eight times you're getting a good performance, and you know, to you know, it doesn't work like that. You just don't know what you're ever going to get. I mean, we know to a certain extent what we get with Giroud, a much more traditional centre forward, somebody who who holds it up and brings people into play. Um, but with Welbeck, I think that it just maybe makes us a little less predictable from an attacking point of view.
0: I think so, and we talked about that lack of movement, and that's what he provides really. He runs the channels brilliantly. He offers you a threat in behind, which Giroud doesn't really do, mm. um, and and he's he's happy to drop deep at times. And you know, even when he shifted out to the right midfield when we went down to ten men, I thought I thought he did pretty well. Um, I, I've been impressed by him. I've always been a a really big fan, and I think obviously that the flaws in his game are evident in his goal scoring record, but in terms of what he provides. In terms of bringing some fluidity to a forward line that had become somewhat predictable, I, I think he looks like a really good option at the moment, and I, I'd like to see him starting more Premier League games. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. You know, let's give him a run. We've, we've given Giroud plenty of runs, and I, you know, I still like Giroud as a player, uh, but he's a good option from the bench, and we know what he can do, and we know how he does it. What we don't know really is what Danny Welbeck can do with. Eight, nine, ten games in a row up front for Arsenal, and yeah. at this point of the season, given the way that we're not scoring goals or or the the lack of goals that we're we're we're, uh, we're we're having to deal with, I don't see the harm in in at least trying something different. In the same way that when you know El Nani was selected, it was something different because we we were in a position where we had to do something different.
0: Of course, yeah? of course. Well, well, listen, while we're while we're on the subject, I know it was my question last time, but I'm going to steal another one if you don't mind. All right. Um, at German Gunners says, has Elneny walked into the starting eleven for weeks to come, or was it just a one-time thing to put him next to Cockle?
1: Well, I would like to see it. I would like to see it on a more uh, more regular basis, like well back up front. I think when your midfield struggles, when it's uh, as dysfunctional as it has been um, for a couple of months now, mm. since Cazorla and Cochrane, uh, left, uh, and I'm not saying that that was the the magical midfield, either you know, they had their they had their issues too, um, but you know, Flamini and Ramsey never quite clicked. Flamini and Co- or Ramsey and Coquelin never quite clicked, and now we found something that looked a little more solid. Um, Ramsey on the right, he doesn't particularly like it, but tough shit. Uh, he, he can be quite effective from from that position. So I I would like to see it. I think. Um, I think uh, we might see it again tomorrow night with with uh, with Hull in the FA Cup, maybe with Flamini. Just before we go on there, pick a team for tomorrow night's game against Hull.
0: OK, let's have a go. Well, yeah, because uh, somebody asked me another question. Who was it? Let's have a look. Um, Stephen Dowling was saying, for the FA Cup, do we go with our next in line as club, club tendency? Will Matt Macy play instead of David Ospina. I don't think he will. No. I think that would be a massive risk. So I think it will be a Spina in goal. Mhm. Um I think center backs will probably be uh as they were on Saturday, so yeah. Mertzaka and Gabriel. Yeah. Um Now it becomes a bit trickier, doesn't it? I think it'll be Al and Flamini in front of that. Mhm. Uh full backs maybe Chambers at right back. Yeah. Maybe Chambers and Monreal, if Monreal's fit and fresh. Yeah. Uh, I
1: think he might give Gibbs another game.
0: Do you think? Yeah, yeah he could do. Yeah. He's played most of the cup games, hasn't he, thus yeah. far, I think. Um, Elneny, Flamini. Uh, I think he'll play Campbell on the right. I think he'll play Campbell on the right. I think he'll play Giroud up front, probably. Yeah,
1: and I think he should play Alexis. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I think on he what,
0: should. Just, just because to help him find some form or...?
1: Yes, I think so. Um, you know, he scored one. He's been desperate for a goal. He's got one against, uh, against Tottenham. I think we probably need to use this game as a way of building a little bit of momentum. You know, we don't have any... I don't think we can really risk... Um, I don't think we can really risk playing uh, a completely changed side... You know, so I think we have to look at trying to get a little bit of momentum going with this game, and just to have that little bit of something extra in the team. Because I don't think you'll play Ozil, I don't think you'll play Ramsey. I think you'll, I think Alexis would be a good, a good uh, pick for this game.
0: So we didn't name Ozil's replacement. Do you expect that to be Alex Awobi again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, it's a. Uh, it's still a heavily rotated side, that isn't it?
1: It is, but you know, it. I think it has to be to a certain extent. Um, you know it was a big effort on on Saturday particularly with 10 men so we'll have to see how how everybody's uh, everybody's feeling from from that but I think we have to we have to you know given what where we are in the league as well there's a real need to win this game to keep uh, a chance of silver alive as well for sure for sure so there are a number of reasons to play a relatively strong team so and a 7 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, that's because it, uh, there's Champions League football Champions tomorrow League, night, yeah. you know, so they had to get special dispensation from UEFA to play this game at all on the night of yeah. a Champions League game. Um, so, yeah, seven o'clock kickoff, bit weird, but hey.
0: bit weird and a bit of a bizarre scenario. Obviously, we don't know who we're playing this weekend. but uh, Yeah,
1: that is weird, isn't it?
0: It does feel strange. It, well, think...
1: it's weird for, um, for Watford and West Brom fans as well. West Brom fans don't know if they've got a game coming up this weekend.
0: And I think which one supposed to be on the Saturday, one on the Sunday, potentially. Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know which is it. No, the the FA Cup game is on the Sunday, I think. If we get through the FA Cup game, is on Correct. Sunday, and if we don't, then we West play Brom West Saturday Brom evening. Saturday evening at half five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Very are you odd. confident
1: for Hull? <sighs> yeah.
0: Are you? Oh, okay, well, that's good. I'm. I'm not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think Hull as well are involved in a big. Uh, yeah promotion battle so last time it's not Steve a priority for them I would yeah. say so Steve Bruce rotated the shite out of his side last time I suspect he'll do he'll do similar this time around um, so yeah so I, I'm reasonably confident after after seeing what we did in the final few minutes um, against Tottenham then yeah I am
0: okay well that'd be lovely
1: Yeah. so going back then to that Elneny to to keep his place
0: I think so, yeah. I think so. And also, I think his freshness is a factor. You know, yeah. he, he's not played as much football as anybody else. And um, that, that could be a big thing in terms of, get, you know, injecting some, some energy into mm. the side at last.
1: Mm. OK, here's a question. This one comes from Neil Pierce, and it was also mentioned by Johnny Hawk Um, who wanted to know, is it a concern that Alexis stormed off the pitch at full-time against Tottenham? And uh, Neil Pearce says, what did you make of Alexis's body language at the end of the
0: game? Well, I I did not see it in in classic Wenger fashion. I did not see the incident. I mean, was it... How bad was it?
1: I didn't think it was that bad. Do you want me to do it now? I can can talk you through it. Hang on.
0: Vocally, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. So I'm just getting towards the end of the game here. I think this could be it. This is Ospina...
0: The end of the game will be when the referee blows the whistle and all the players start to leave.
1: That's it. Um, It just takes a little bit when I... This could be the final goal kick here. Here it is. Oh, did I break it? I did, I broke it slightly. It's It's coming up now, coming up now, coming up now. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. I've got it in Spanish, as always. Okay, so Ospina is putting the ball down. Here we are. We're into the the final minute. Okay, here it is. Yep, 93 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, And here he goes. He boots it. And the referee has blown the full-time whistle. Tottenham player hits the ball. Alexis, the ball is bouncing in the center circle. He fucking boots it right down the far end of the pitch, as far away, as hard as he can. And he walks off. He's walking off the pitch. Doesn't shake hands with anyone. He's walking off. There's another Arsenal player gone off the pitch on the far side. I can't really see who it is. And Alexis is walking off the tunnel, walking straight to the tunnel. And there he goes. Down the tunnel. Someone's put an arm around him, giving him a bit of a cuddle from the bench. But that's all it was. Just frustration.
0: can you blame a man for wanting to get out of White Hart Lane as quickly as possible?
1: No, not at all. I, You know, I, I think it was just pure frustration that we didn't win the game. And the circumstances in which we didn't win the game, I think, w- would have been frustrating to to him and to some of the other players as well.
0: I mean, in seriousness, I'd be more concerned about the, the quotes he gave last week uh, mm. about Arsenal's... What, what did he say exactly? I forget now. About basically the lack of winning mentality was yeah it? Or,
1: yeah we we like the hunger to believe in ourselves it was something like that
0: um, yeah which probably been through a translator so you, it's difficult to you know be absolutely sure mm. what he meant to say but I thought that was maybe more of a concern because he is someone who I don't think would you could ever question his hunger uh the way he applies himself on the pitch and obviously he want to see that reflected in his teammates mm. um I think what happened at full time at Spurs is kind of a, a non-event, but he is definitely somebody who, if Arsenal continue to fail systematically, then that's going to be a problem for him because he is someone who you would describe really as a, a natural winner.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then we go back to the question that we had last week. It's a, it's a balance, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you, has your contribution to helping the team win, you know, given you the right to to make a decision about your future at the same well, time? You know,
0: that's a very. I mean, this and this season he hasn't been absolutely brilliant has he so no. i i think uh i'm sure that much of his frustration is with himself uh he seems like the kind of guy who could give himself quite a hard time when things aren't not happening for him as we said earlier in the show though hopefully he's at the start of one of those brilliant bursts of form that he can produce uh he's yes. been in, in the past he's produced you know those runs of seven or eight games where he can be blisteringly mm. hot um, and that would be pretty handy that
1: right, would be man. good all right
0: yeah <laughs> um Another one? Yeah. Uh, Declan Riley, this is from at Declan Riley. He asks, who is accountable for all our silly red cards and rash decisions this year? Because we've had some big red cards in some big games. And uh, you think of Gabrielle, you think of Cochrane. I suppose what he's implying is, is that the fault of the individual or is there a broader discipline issue that needs to be looked at?
1: I think it's whenever a player gets red carded, it's on them, isn't it? Unless it's an absolute, unless it's an absolute travesty of justice, Uh, and the last one I can really think of was Van Persie against Barcelona, where it was like ridiculous for kicking for having a shot after the referee had blown his whistle, and that was a second yellow. You know, ultimately the players are the masters of their own behavior. You know, we saw Arsene Wenger talk after the game; they they didn't ignore the fact that Coquelin was on a yellow card at halftime. They spoke to him about it.
0: They yep, very clearly
1: told him, "Don't do anything silly," and he went out and did something silly. So, if the manager had completely ignored that, then you might say, "Okay, you know, you're not doing your job well enough to, you know, to, to remind him of his responsibilities." But, you know, it's down to the players. Um, Gabrielle's red card again, daft, but don't get involved. Murta Sackers against Chelsea individual mistake Cazorla's against Chelsea I thought a little bit harsh but you know two yellow cards so for me it's on the players it's on the players
0: yeah I think it's a bit different if say you've got an inexperienced fullback out there he's being booked and he's he's clearly being given a torrid time by his winger you know he's being beaten multiple times and it, it seems inevitable but in the case of someone like Coquelin you know, while he was on that booking and does play in a congested part of the field, it wasn't as if he was receiving multiple warnings or anything like that. Mm. And it was the responsibility of the manager to haul him off. I think a player in those circumstances has to take responsibility for themselves and, and be more disciplined. Yeah. Um, so as much as it's in vogue, I think to to blame the manager for certain results and certain incidents, and justifiably so. Uh, I think in these particular instances, I think the players have got to look at themselves.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. What else? Do we need another question?
0: I mean, we don't need one, but we, could, we can have one. Yeah. Have you got one?
1: Have I got one? Steve Sinyard. He wants to know, in your opinion, what's the best, the correct way, rather, to make tea? Tea bag out before the milk or tea bag in while adding the milk?
0: Okay. Now, I I know that there is, like, a supposed better way. I mean, if I'm honest, I think using a, a teapot is a great way. With with tea bags or loose-leaf tea? Tea bags, I'm afraid. I'm not that posh. Right. Um, but I just think, you know, the bags stay in the pot. The bag never enters the mug. It's never... or the cup. It's sort of, you know, it's all kept nice and clean and separate. What I do, if, I, if I'm frank, is I put the tea bag in the cup, add the water... Then I add the milk and I can, yeah, and I can adjust. Now the, th- the thought being that if I go too much milk by mistake, the teabag's still in there and I can squeeze the teabag more and redress the balance. I can control it in either direction at that point. Teabag comes out last for me. And that, but I know that that's, you know, I know that's not good form, whatever. Where, where do you sit on this?
1: Teabag in, water in, let it brew for a... Minute or two, give it a squeeze, take it out, then you add the milk in.
0: What if you add too much milk?
1: I don't. I know exactly how much milk to add. I've been making cups of tea for fucking twenty odd thirty years. Who knows? I know exactly I know exactly how much milk I like, which is literally a couple of drops. I'm not really yeah, really, really don't like milky tea at all.
0: What would the colour of your tea be akin to if you had to compare it to another object? Um quite a Difficult question, but you know, we've got well Do you ever it, see no?
1: those uh, do you ever see those uh, photos of uh, bodybuilders? Yeah, who've got oh, this, like, all the tan on themselves, they've got all this super tan, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah,
1: what yeah. that's what my cups of tea look like, bit well, like that. Sounds that delicious,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, how appetizing, less. I- Right, right, less oily. I see. I, I don't mind a milky tea. I mean, I say I like tea, but I suspect that deep down, what I really like is milk and sugar. Um, the tea is just kind of incidental. In how many? How many sugars? Oh, I've downgraded now. Now I often don't have sugar. Um, I used to know someone who had eight sugars in their tea. What? I know they're dead now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, they're all right. They're kicking around still. I think Di- I diabetes, if got, Dave. Yeah, I don't think they got any teeth, but. Um, <laughs> I uh, I'll have the odd sugar. It depends on my mood, if I'm honest with you. But yeah, the tea bag thing. I mean, I'm sure I'll take stick for it because I know it's it's not the done thing. But I like the flexibility of leaving it in. You know, I worry about myself with the milk. I, I worry I'll overdo it.
1: Mm. I just don't like the idea of it as well. I don't like the idea of a tea bag and milk coming together. It just doesn't. Just doesn't. Do tea not
0: the drink for you then. Well,
1: I quite like a cup of tea. I just had a cup of tea while we were recording the first half of this show.
0: Did you? Yeah. I, I had a coffee. Horses for courses, I guess.
1: I guess it is. You know, I'm much more a coffee man in general, but, you know, a cup of tea after me lunch was all right. And it was, you know, it was nicely mahogany-coloured tea. It was it was good.
0: Good, good. Good, rich tea there. Yes. Um, well, look, I think we've, I mean, I like it when we disagree. It brings some variety to the show.
1: Absolutely. And it's always over the most important matters. That's
0: the exactly. thing. That's the thing. And now if I ever concerned. have to make a cup of tea, I'll know how to proceed. Yes,
1: Indeed. Um right. Well look, will we leave it there then for this week? Let's leave it there. We've got let's look
0: forward to Hull.
1: And then who knows? It's the great mystery of this week is that we don't know what's happening next weekend.
0: Exactly. We're going to Hull and back and beyond that. to Hull and no, back. Nobody knows.
1: Yes indeed. Um all right then. Well look, we'll uh, we'll catch you on next week's Cast Extra as we prepare for a game against Barcelona.
0: Hmm. Of course, we do. Of course we, know, we do.
1: We know that's happening. Mm. yeah I'm going
0: are you yeah you're a brave man
1: a glutton for punishment perhaps uh, <laughs> something to be said though for, for beer and sandwiches that's, oh, of course that's good. I'm
0: sure you'll have a lovely old time I'm sure from 90 minutes yeah uh,
1: anyway we'll <laughs> we'll prepare for that and on the Arsecast on Friday we'll look ahead to whatever's going on at the weekend we'll know by then what we're going to be doing at the weekend so uh, as always thank you indeed for listening and uh, catch you on the next one
0: Bye-bye.